Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Lent is from Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit, she took of its fruit, and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Question for you this morning. Who was it that preached the first heretical sermon the world has ever heard and known? Indeed, who was the first to preach the first heretical sermon. Now, I suppose there are a lot of choices to choose from in the Old Testament. Plenty of false prophets in the Old Testament, plenty of pagan diviners, plenty of worldly hawkers, as you would say. But to our surprise, though, the first heretical sermon was preached by none other than, get this, Satan himself. Yes, the first heretical sermon was preached by the devil in the Garden of Eden. Now, just to be clear, we need to pause for a moment and ask this question, what makes a sermon a sermon, before we move on? In other words, a sermon is a sermon when it delivers words about God and from God to the ears of mankind. For example, a sermon is quite different than a, well, let's just say a TED Talk on YouTube, simply because a TED Talk It's not talking necessarily about spiritual things, but mainly focuses on a variety of topics such as politics and societal issues. Whereas a sermon, it is a religious, an oral discourse delivering theology to the ears of hearers. And so back to that first heretical sermon ever preached. Consider our reading from Genesis 3, the one we heard this morning. Notice what Satan said to Eve. He said to Eve, he preached and he proclaimed to Eve, he said this to Eve, Eve, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, did you hear that? Did you hear how Satan was speaking about God to Eve? Satan, get this, he was indeed preaching about God. He was talking about God to Eve right there in that garden. But then again, what Satan was preaching was totally and utterly heretical. 
Now, I suppose it would be easy to brush Satan's sermon off to the side, say, well, it's in the past, what is done is done. However, sermons like the one that Satan preached in the Garden of Eden, they still exist today. They indeed still exist today. And so we can learn a lot from the devil's sermons so that we can spot similar bad preaching in churches today, right here in America, and even right here in Minot. First, first, we must be very careful to understand that just because something sounds religious, it does not necessarily mean that it is good. Remember, God preached to Adam. We heard that. God preached to Adam, which was good and true. And then Satan preaches to Eve about God, which was evil and false. And so the point being is this, just because something sounds religious or sounds pious, it does not automatically mean that it is good. In other words, it would be better for a pulpit to remain empty than a pulpit to be filled with a heretical sermon that speaks about God incorrectly. Or think of it this way, what is worse for a secular society? No talk about God at all? Or, on the other hand, incorrect talk about God. What is worse? No talk about God or incorrect talking about God? Obviously, incorrect talk about God is actually worse. And so, beware of those who say, well, yeah, the sermon wasn't the best. It was perhaps even incorrect. But, you know, at least the sermon had God talk in it. At least the sermon talked about God. Now, using the same kind of naive rationale, one could simply say, you know, Satan, well, he was certainly wrong in what he preached to Eve about God, but, you know, at least Satan was talking about God to Eve. You see the problem? Now, dear friends, we Christians need to wise up. You see, too many Christians in America are living like reeds blowing in the wind, back and forth, back and forth. They're functioning like a bunch of theological snowflakes. They get upset when bad theology and false sermons are critiqued by other Christians while not realizing that they are actually upholding satanic sermons inspired by the tactics of the devil himself. Secondly, secondly, it's important to know that all sin is very dangerous. For example, hatred that breaks the fifth commandment, lust that breaks the sixth commandment, gossip that breaks the eighth commandment, they're all very dangerous. These can all attack Christians with the intent to kill and steal and destroy faith. However, what is even more serious than these enticements to sin for you and me is for us to be drawn away from the word of God. That is actually more serious you see, in the devil's sermon to Eve, he was able to draw Eve away from God's sermon to his sermon. And once Eve was listening to the devil's sermon, he promised her something good, that she could be like God. In other words, evil sermons that are preached in many pulpits today typically do not encourage people to go out and kill and fornicate, disobey their parents, lie and steal, for that would be, well, it'd be easy to spot. Instead, these satanic sermons... They always have a way of attempting to draw people away from the Word of God to a different word altogether. 
Just for the sake of illustration, let me give you an example what these devil sermons sound like today. Let me give you an example what it sounds like. Here we go. Dear friends, you may think that there's a lot wrong with you, but there's also a lot right with you. There's a lot of good things about you that you may not notice. And so stop looking at your weaknesses and declare your power. Say that you are strong. Say that you are healthy. Say that you are blessed. Say that you are beautiful and prosperous and that you already have what it takes to make a difference in this world. It's all right here deep within. You just need to actualize it to tap into that potential within. Scary. You see, the devil is quite content for you and me to be successful and prosperous in this life without the word of God. Again, the devil's sermons will typically not advocate for you and me to break commandments 4 through 10. That is, dishonoring, authority, killing, lying, stealing, adultery, so forth. But the devil will work subtly for you and me to break commandments 1 through 3. In other words, the devil's sermons will often speak quite positively about a lot of things in this life while subtly trying to dislodge you and me from hearing and resting in the word of God, which is the third commandment. And when this happens, when we're not resting in the word of God, well, false theology can be spoken in the name of God without realizing it, second commandment. And then in the end, we end up worshiping a false god, a god that does not exist in the scriptures, but only in the imagination of our minds, which is the first commandment, breaking that. And so the point is, beware of breaking commandments 4 through 10, but be more alert about breaking commandments 1 through 3. Finally, the devil's sermons work to always inflate mankind to inflate mankind's pride instead of strengthening faith. Listen again to the devil's sermon to Eve, what he says to Eve. He says to Eve, Eve, you will not surely not die. You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now you notice what happened, what the devil preached to Eve? He spoke to her pride. You will be like God. You will not surely die. You see, my friends, the more that we disconnect from the word of God, the more that we are inclined to trust our wisdom and trust our strength. Let me repeat that again. It is very important to understand. The farther that we draw away from the word of God, the wiser we will appear to ourselves. This this is exactly what is happening to Eve In the devil's sermon, he diminishes God's word. Her trust in God's word is then eroded, and then he appeals to her wisdom. Now, I don't have to try and convince you about this. This tactic has been going on for decades in American churches. You see, large segments of the church in America have resorted to not trusting the authority of God's word. They say things such as this, you know, well, the Bible... That's not the word of God, but it, well, it contains the word of God. As a result, theologians and laity alike, they resort to big talk and rants against the word of God, against the word of God. They say the word of God is perhaps inaccurate, archaic, out of touch, irrelevant, 
and politically incorrect, pick your poison, it's all the same. This results in faith being eroded and pride taking its spot. In the end, the Lord God, he's neutered. His word is reduced to nothing more than a fairy tale. And the so-called wisdom of mankind drinks deeply from satanic sermons as the church steers towards the gates of hell itself. It is a bunch of Christless and prideful noise of nothingness. Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Perhaps a good place to start is to contrast the devil's sermon from Genesis 3 with how Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 4, our gospel reading from today. You see, briefly, when Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 4, he's actually preaching the word in response, in response to the devil's temptation. Specifically, I want to draw your attention to what Jesus says in verse 4. He says this, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Hear that again. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Baptized saints, hear this clearly today. The most powerful and effective weapon against the devil himself is a simple statement of Scripture. This is what Martin Luther was getting at in that famous hymn, the hymn that we just sang, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Listen to stanza three, the one that you just sang. Listen to the stanza three. It is so incredibly powerful. Listen to it with a bit of grit in your ears. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not. We fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. This world's prince, which is the devil, may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged The deed is done. One little word can fell him. One little word can fell him. Indeed, all the strength and power and might of the devil is nothing compared to one little word of God. One little word of God can fell him. And so, baptized saints, you and I and this church, St. Paul's Lutheran Church, shall not depend on silly words that get dressed up as God's word. We shall not rest on satanic devices, foolish myths, or human strength, or even our intellectual wisdom, but rather we rest upon the word of God, the power of God's word alone, for that is all that we need. Listen up. It does not matter. It really does not matter, dear friends. If the world considers us foolish for preaching the word, singing the word, studying the word, pondering the word, praying the word, and meditating on that word, for we're not ashamed of the word of God, for that word is the power of God unto our salvation. It is the strength of this church right now in this place and in this time, and that very word of God is the strength of this church in the next generation and the generation after that. And so, baptized saints, you and I, together, we live and abide by every word that comes from the mouth of God because that word is for you. It is for me. And so let us pray boldly today, tomorrow, and the days to come. Let us pray boldly a prayer that sounds like this. 
Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that you uphold your word among us for our instruction and our edification. Bless your word among us at St. Paul's, that we may be strengthened in the divine truth and remain steadfast in your grace unto death itself. Give us strength to fight the good fight and by faith in your word to overcome the temptations of Satan, the, the flesh, the flesh and the world. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. And God's people say, Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.